0: Hi, everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subran. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. Households in the U.S. and Europe accumulated a sizable amount of excess savings during the pandemic, but that cash cushion is losing its fluff. In this episode with Maxime Darmé, Senior Economist at Allianz Trade, and Patricia Pelayo romero Economist at Allianz, we find out what dwindling savings and the wealth effect will mean for economic growth in the U.S. and Europe. Hello, Maxime and Patricia. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, Maria. So why is it important to look at savings right
1: now? Yeah, it's actually very important to look at savings. Um, And I think the reason is twofold. First of all, uh, it has a huge bearing on consumption, household consumption. And consumption is the single largest demon component of GDP. So um, it's really important to look at savings to to monitor uh, them and to sharpen our economic forecast. And also... Uh, savings can also be uh, spent in some assets such as real estate. And real estate, especially in the US, um, can have some important swings and can be a key determinant of the business and the financial cycles. Uh, so so from that perspective, it's, it's really important. Uh, just a point on um, the size of uh, household savings. So since the pandemic, uh, households in Western uh, countries have accumulated very large savings, what we call excess savings, uh, and the reason is is very simple because um, you know opportunities to spend during the pandemic were severely curtailed. So uh, a lot, a lot of saving has been really accumulated uh, since 2020. But also, uh, last but not least, household incomes were largely preserved during the pandemic, or even boosted, like in the US. Um, when households receive large payments from the federal government, uh, including unemployment benefits?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, just to piggyback on uh, what Maxime said, I think that there's also another reason and uh, on the side of uh, the forecast and, and the foresight of the economy coming up. I think that right now there are mixed signals coming from economic data, and we have the soft data like confidence and sentiment. They are screaming in some markets recession, Well, the hard data, so when we talk about GDP or when we talk about economic growth, um, paints a slightly different picture of a narrowly avoided or a recession or a flat growth. So in countries like the UK, I think that the alarm bells are (laughs) quite in sync. But at the end of the day, for the real economy, and especially for uh, consumers and households, it's not really all that crucial Uh, whether GDP grows 1% or 0% in two quarters or whatever definition of recession you want to take, Um, but the trajectory that the economy is taking. And in that sense, I think that household savings are important as they provide information for these households' future perception of consumption and income, Um, whether they start saving for a rainy day or um, whether this also holds some important information on the developments of household indebt- indebtedness, or how also how sensitive households are to public debt. So there's this much debated concept of the Ricardian equivalence, and we're not here <laughs> discussing whether it exists or not. But uh, basically what it says is that households are sensitive to public debt because they know that at some point they will have to um, pay taxes for it, to pay it back. Uh, so currently, with the movements of interest rate and inflation, households are being affected. And it's important for households that are wealthy enough to have different financial goals, like buying a house or having children or retiring to take full stakes of the macroeconomic environment and act according to their best interests or needs. And I mean, I mean, no pressure for our millennial listeners. We have been through a lot of crises. Um, yeah, basically, I laugh not to cry.
0: Okay, so let's go back to the idea of excess savings. Have these excess savings lasted in all the countries you monitor?
1: Um, So, yeah, very interesting question. So we looked at the data and at the end of 2022, so end of last year, the stock of excess savings were actually still very large in Spain and in the UK, about 20% of annual consumption, which is really, really massive. Um, the stock of excess saving on the other end was um, much lower in Germany and in the United States, um, around 8% eight, eight percent of annual consumption. And finally, Italy and France lied um, somewhere in the middle. Um, but your question you're raising is interesting because, in fact, in European countries, um, the bottom line is that the stock of excess saving has barely declined since 2020. Barely declined. So, they, their household, European households have basically not, uh, digging up in the saving. On the, in the US, on the other end, the picture is quite different since households have been digging up at a very fast clip into their savings. And they've been doing it because, um, you know, in the face of a very elevated inflation, um, the US consumer, um, decided to continue spending. Um, so, um, this talk of excess saving provided the, the right buffer at the, at the right time, if I could say. So um, so overall, U.S. consumption has been growing more, more rapidly since the pandemic uh, compared to Europe. Uh, and it's actually one of the reasons um, the, US, the U.S. economy is surprised on the upside um, over the past few quarters. Uh, a very, di- very different outcome from Europe, obviously.
0: So why didn't Europeans use up their saving despite also facing high inflation?
1: Yeah, I think, I think Patricia touched a bit upon this, uh, this topic. I think European households are much more uh, cautious about the future. And, um, I think the main reason is really, um, related to the energy crisis. There's a lot of uncertainty going on. Um, uh, we've seen large swings in, in the price of gas, in the price of electricity. So obviously, uh, European households, um, think that the future is a little bit dark and they just want to, you know, keep the savings, uh, um, in case, you know, they have to, um, to, to use them for future consumption. And also, um, a second thing I think is important. Why did the Europeans did not use all of the savings? Because these excess savings are actually very unevenly distributed, uh, across households. Uh, just to give you a couple of numbers, uh, we calculated that, um, uh, the highest, uh, higher income households Held about fourteen thousand euros in um, in uh, thirty thousand euros, so in Spain, for instance. Uh, so this is really huge. Um, and finally, um, I think the last point I'd like to make, and picking up from Patricia, is also because you know you got higher interest rates um, at the moment because obviously the ECB is tightening monetary policy. So um, the the money you get from savings is actually increasing. So it's prompted. Is prompting more households to put some some savings aside in uh, more, I would say, high-yielding uh, deposits uh, rather than to spend.
0: Okay, so Patricia, in your report, you write that income is not the only driver of household consumption, but wealth matters too. Can you explain what the wealth effect is?
2: As uh, Maxime uh, already mentioned, uh, you know households or some households started to build up this uh, cash cushion. And it's now starting to lose its fluff depending on where you are in the wealth distribution. Um, If we think of the trade-off between consumption and savings, households are more comfortable and loosen up their purse strings if they feel like they have some room or some fluffiness to fall back on. In this case, it's their savings. And if there's a sudden shock, as as Maxime already said, uh, you know, that the energy crisis or the energy bill is coming or uh, the uncertainty in the economy, like unforeseen unemployment or sickness or what have you, that would hinder their uh, income possibilities. Uh, so th- this is basically what's known as the wealth effect. In other words, as wealth increases, the savings rate tend to decrease and vice versa. In this context, the financial asset price fluctuations and our expected decrease in housing prices might drag consumption down even further. Um, I I just saw the GDP release for the last quarter of 2022 for the EU and it's bleak. Households are indeed spending less, which is yet another drag that the economy does not need.
0: So how is the wealth effect playing out for European and American households?
2: So it's it's really not easy to pin down the wealth effect as um, asset price fluctuations, whether in the real or financial economy, rarely come unaccompanied by other macroeconomic developments. Um, therefore, to measure both the income and the wealth effects on consumption in the EU and the US, we drew from literature from the IMF and used their uh, vector to regressive uh, model and our capital markets, macroeconomic and uh, housing price forecast to shed some light. Generally, we found that the income effect overshadows the wealth effect in all countries and that the marginal propensity to, to consume uh, one percentage difference in disposable income is equal to 0.21% uh, difference in consumption for France, 071 for Germany, 078 to Spain, 0.35% for, for, the, for the U.S., um, this income effects highlight the importance of supporting household income, as Maxim already mentioned, as they are tailwinds to attain the much talked about and yet now possibly elusive, uh, soft landing that central banks want. Um, another feature that is common for most countries is that the wealth effect of housing prices clearly dominates that of stock market prices almost by a factor of 10 in europe so in france germany in italy and in spain Um, this is in line with the expectations that we had as stock market prices are more volatile than real estate prices so if they see that the largest share of their wealth or their perceived wealth is in their house and suddenly the housing price plummets they will definitely start to tighten up the purse strings as they will feel uh, less wealthier than 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 before the 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 movements in asset prices um for germany we find that the wealth effect materializes uh, with some lag and as well as for the us and france uh, where we have uh both the lag effects and the instantaneous effects so when when they see the the price the housing prices falling they stop consuming and then in germany it takes a little bit Longer, Maybe because in Germany, there are less um, homeowners.
0: So what does this mean for the European and U.S. economies overall in 2023?
1: Okay, so first of all, in Europe, um, when you look at savings intention uh, from households, um, basically in every country, you see they are still very elevated for the next 12 months. So we do not see... uh, Sort of a consumption-induced boost to activity, so I think it's really uh, backing up our forecast that the eurozone economy will flatline at best in 2023, because again, um, consumption is not going to grow. Um, at least households don't want to to spend more; they just want to save, save uh, to spend less. So they want to save more. And regarding the US um we think the us consumer is going to prove resilient um uh, until the middle of this year because there's still uh, some excess savings there to be depleted but by the second half of this year um cracks will start to appear because cracks will be more evident because this, this excess saving stock in the us would be largely uh, fully depleted so uh that would be um a caution which would be you know uh, vanishing or, or, or fading and I think that would also support our call that the U.S. economy is probably heading towards a recession uh, before the end of 2023.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's also very discouraging economic development. I mean, in public economics, we would prefer households to be in good shape to weather storms, not to be drowned in them. Uh, the economic reality is that inflation is still with us and people can only reduce their discretionary spending so much. Um, I was looking at some surveys that came out about American households saying that even with an income of 100K, 64% of American households are living paycheck to paycheck. This does not allow for households to build this pillow, let alone a buffer for financial shocks. So the way that the income and wealth are being affected uh, amongst households, it's pretty heterogeneous. And as um, as we say in Spanish, I mean, I would say the phrase in Spanish, but I probably won't. Uh, but th- you tell the stories of how uh, things went from your uh, from your point of view. And um, this macro developments hardly paint the POV of uh, the middle class and the lower income households. Um, it looks like they're more than uh, building up the fluffy pillow. They're shouting into it. I don't know if I went too far with the pillow analogy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, thank you very much, Maxime and Patricia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode.